Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you. Um, here today uh, with my good friend, Josh Christensen, again. Hello. Josh, good to be with you. Oh, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's fun. I love it. We had you back last uh, semester and uh, had a great great time with you last semester and, and exciting to be back with you again today. Uh, Josh is a senior now. I know. At, I'm uh, so old. college here, right? Goodness, I graduate in the spring. Yeah. And I, I was having a conversation with somebody downstairs before this, and they're like, yeah, I graduated from high school in 2022. Mm. And I graduated in 2018, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's just like, goodness <laughs> gracious. And then I realized that's not even the earliest year. Oh. Freshman here graduated right. in 2023. That's right. And to think right. I graduated five years ago from high school is yeah. just beyond me. Yeah, no, I have a I have a daughter here as a freshman this year. Uh, Maddie's around here at Boise State. Holy cow. Hopefully she's listening to the podcast, Yeah, right. right? Of course. I think she does. Every, she better. Uh, two or three times a week, I think she goes back and refreshes. Oh, so. of course. And then re-listens. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Um, no, tell us what you're studying. You're, you're almost done. Light at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of the tunnel for electrical engineering. Okay. So I've got, I'm all part-time these last two semesters, which is really nice. Cool. So I can work at an internship that I'm at right now. Great. And then graduation comes, stay here. I've got a job opportunity out in D.C. Hey, good for you. Can't talk about it too much, cool. though. I it's mean, like, I could it, give you It's details. like the FBI, isn't it? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that'd be you. cool. That'd be cool. No, it's working for uh, the Naval Institute hey, cool. for de- designing the submarines that wow. the Navy uses. So you won't be able to talk about what you're doing. But yes. Man, and working cool. for the FBI would be great, though, yeah, too. that's cool. Um, and I was actually thinking, too, I remember last semester we were going through this, and I was we were going over the statistics of the podcast sure. while I was still editing it. Yeah. And we noticed that there was a huge group of people that listened to it in Rochester, New York, yeah, right? Yeah, We were looking that up. And you keep that's, talking. I'll look it up again. It, uh, interestingly enough, that's where I served my mission was in upstate New York, oh, no the kidding. New York-Syracuse mission. And we were talking about it, and you are like, yeah, put a little plug in there, right? Like, uh-huh. just a little break of like, hey, I served my mission there. I never got around to it, but I guess I'll put it here if you're there in Rochester. Yeah, that's awesome. Odds are we might have been... I was there in Rochester for like three, four months, but it was during COVID. So that's really cool. Highly doubt we met, but you know, I got a I got a phone call once from uh, a priesthood leader out in in Rochester. Oh, really? Um, who said, "Hey, I just want you to know we've got a whole bunch of our listeners out here in my ward." That's crazy. That's, that are listening, and and we had a conversation about something that we'd talked about. Wow. I don't remember even what the episode was that we were talking about, but but yeah. So for those of you out in New York, uh, thanks for listening. It's, thanks for it's listening. Kind of fun we to have you. We appreciate you. You're great people. We yeah. love you. And, uh, and Josh will be back out your neck of the woods here not too long, uh, going back to D.C. Going back to D.C. Yeah. I got a visit back in May, actually. As soon as oh, school yeah. went, got back, I went with my family, took them to all the church sites. Oh, cool. Visited all the um, historical sites out there. Very cool. Yeah, we've got, so. uh, let's see, there are 375 people out there listening from week to week. So Dang, from week cool. to week? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my goodness, it's that's impressive. Fun. Yeah, kind of fun. So That's a big group. 
Yeah, so uh, welcome for those of you out in the East Coast. That's yeah, cool. of course. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Josh, thanks for being with us. We're, uh, we're going to continue on Paul's letter to the Corinthians today. Um, and, and we're going to be chapters 14 through 16 this week. Uh, is the block. And, and before we hit record, I was telling Josh, I think it's kind of too bad that the chapter uh, breaks have been put in here. I don't know that Paul wrote these as individual letters. In mm -hmm. fact, I think they were primarily one. As I read through um, chapter 12 into 13, for example, I think you could just get rid of the chapter break there because the letter just continues. And I think the same holds true for chapter 12, 13 into 14. So maybe I'll just back up a little bit and read. Give us some context here. Yeah, read, yeah. Some, read some of what chapter 13 was saying to get into 14 because I think it would help us. So that's okay. You'll get good with that? Yeah, yeah. It might actually, I don't know. I think it would be so beneficial to just take out those breaks sometimes. I, I understand why they got put in, right? Yeah. Divinely inspired, no sure. hate against right, it, right? Because right. I haven't been able to understand the allegory of the olive tree uh -huh. in the Book of Mormon until, until I read the like first edition uh -huh. replica uh -huh. that I got. And reading through that as the actual story that it is, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, this actually makes sense. Yeah, we get so ingrained, I think, as yeah, probably as youth and young young members of the church to read a chapter and then mm -hmm. stop. And so we read a chapter and we put it away and we pick it up the next night. We're like, I have no idea what we're talking about. Well, what do we get? Because you stop. Like I read this at eleven. Yeah, I read this at eleven thirty last night <laughs> to get my Book of Mormon reading. Right. In, right? Yeah. And so that same thing, I, I should probably be applied to the letters, just yeah, reading them just all the read. way through to see What's what, what happens. But. And, and you get a lot of things in context then so, as well. So let me. Let me share. Yeah. Chapter 13, if we go back to verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now see we through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I, I also, sorry, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three but the greatest of these is charity. Pause, chapter break, right? That's chapter mm -hmm. break comes in. But if you don't put that in, but the greatest of these is charity, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy, right? So we go straight into this concept uh, from verse 11 and 12 about how we see, how we understand the gospel, that you need to have charity in order to do that. Faith, hope, and charity, right? And then the very first verse of 14 is, so that you can prophesy, so that you can receive answers to, from the Holy Ghost yeah. in knowing what's coming and knowing how to live your life. And again, I think if we just take that chapter break out, it just becomes so much more clear, right? Yeah, I think that's just that obviously doesn't apply to just the spirit of prophecy. For sure. But that's that gift of discernment, yeah. uh, that gift of understanding, gift of tongues, all of that comes from yeah, charity, right. right? There's so many of those stories where it's like as soon as I learned to love the people of my mission yeah. in L Latvia is when I began to understand uh, you know yeah. and you're like whoa that's, that's yeah. not a coincidence yeah that's really not cool. a coincidence well and, and and speaking in tongues I think is generally a, a thing t spoken of here too right I mean, yeah he, he, I mean, he's talking about desiring spiritual gifts kind of all spiritual gifts I think in verse one so that you can be better at prophesying and then we get into verse two for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh oh, not unto is. men. But but the Joseph Smith translation of that is actually really interesting. Um, it is that he that speaketh in another tongue. And interestingly, every time an unknown, the word unknown is used in this chapter, the Joseph Smith translation retranslates that to another. another tongue. So now if we read it with another tongue, for he that speaketh in another tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. 
for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to, edific to edification and exhortation and comfort. So the, there's this idea that, and I think back then there was this idea that we're going to speak in these gibberish tongues. Yeah. And it's, it's um, and or the, the gift of tongues as we see it today where, you know, if you're given that gift as a missionary, it really is to speak for God, right? You, you have that gift to speak yeah. for God. And, and or we look at the, the maybe more negative side of that where um, if you're doing this f silly gibberish thing, it, it, it isn't really to anybody except for between you and God if it's actually a thing. Um, but the gift of prophesying and sp speaking unto men is further edification, exhortation, and comfort, right? Yeah. I think th that's really what the like the individuals and families manual focuses on. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that topic section is I can seek the gift of prophecy. Yeah. And when I was first reading that and going over preparing mm -hmm. for this lesson, I was kind of like, whoa, what? Yeah. That's awesome. What do you mean? And then it referenced uh, verse 3, 31, and then 39 through 40, which pretty much just emphasizes that the gift of prophecy doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to see the future yeah. or understand everything, but it's that edification, it's that exhortation, it's that comfort. Yeah, and keep going. Th that, that really applies to everybody and everything that you're in. Yeah. I know that there's plenty of people on my mission, some that I was companions with, that in their patriarchal blessing that said that they would use the gift of tongues mm. on their mission. Mm. Now, I served in New York, English-speaking, mm -hmm. and all of those companions were English-speaking. Mm. But what I've come to learn is that that gift of tongues can apply to English, to mm -hmm. English as mm -hmm. well. Sure. When commonly it's you're learning Spanish, you're sure. learning German or whatever sure, to use right. the gift of tongues. But so many people communicate in different ways. Yeah. Different words mean different things. They emphasize different parts of words, mm. emphasize different parts of sentences, mm. which leads to a, a, a lack of communication sometimes mm -hmm. between people. But that gift of tongues can be used for that English to English communication as well. Man, that's really cool. And, and maybe it speaks to, you know, prophecy and revelation are probably inherently connected to each other, right? That, mm. that it, as you have the gift of tongues, say, um, and you receive the revelatory understanding of, of how to use that, whether you're speaking English or you're speaking Spanish or whatever yeah. it is, um, by virtue of, of listening to the Spirit, you're going to also receive uh, prophecy. You're going to receive counsel about how to help someone else. Um, I think sometimes we define prophecy as, um, you know, world end events or or Christ coming events, right? right. And, and yeah, for sure, that's needed and necessary uh, for a prophet to prophesy of those things. But uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with identifying that the Spirit is confirming something to you that if you take this course of action or if your family takes this sure. course of action or if you have a, an authority uh, over some group of people, whether it's in your job or as a, as a priesthood leader or a relief society leader or whatever, that the Spirit of prophecy can come to you and teach you this course of action will lead to this event or this outcome. And uh, I think sometimes we, we put prophecy in a box that yeah. prophets only can have, right? I, I was just reminded as you were talking about uh, a quote from President Nelson. He said, every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles will follow. This is after talking about as we receive rev person, more personal revelation. That is what personal revelation will do for you. My dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. That's revelation for the church, revelation for our lives talk. But yeah. 
I, I just think revelation, prophecy, all those things, they kind of link and line up to one another. Um, and sometimes we, we put them off on the prophets as yeah. those that should have that, that gift and power in our lives. So, so tell, me what, um, tell me how that affects young adults. How does that influence uh, young adult life? Um, how does it influence the things that you're preparing and planning for? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, so I think this particular, they, they've almost redefined or re-emphasized the definition of prophecy mm -hmm. because all the time that we sustain the prophets, it's, we sustain them as prophets, seers, and revelators, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I've always thought, okay, why am I sustaining them as, as a prophet and a seer? Mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of redundant? Sure. You know? yeah. No complaints, I'm going to do it anyway, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> but now this is like, okay, I'm, I'm sustaining President Russell Nelson as a revelator, somebody that mm -hmm. receives revelation for the entire world direction, sure. right? Sure. Sustaining him as a seer, somebody who can see the future sure. as God directs right. and, and, and needs. Yeah, well but then that prophesying is the ability to speak unto men, to edify, exhort, and comfort, yeah. right? And that's not just something that the prophet can do. Because yeah. uh, Paul, in uh, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead here, oh, but there cool. in, in verse 39, he says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, yeah. and forbid not to speak with tongues. Yeah. It's interesting that he uses the word covet. Mm -hmm but it's a righteous coveting, right? Mm -hmm. One of the original Ten Commandments, the yeah. Tenth Commandment is thou shalt not covet, right? right? And, and yet but, go ahead and do it for this uh, Yeah, go ahead and do it for this one. It kind of reminds, it's like that scripture that says, uh, judge not unrighteously, but yeah. judge righteously, right? In this moment, you should desire yeah. to have this righteous trait and really work for it. Yeah, yeah. For those of you without your scriptures open, the cross-reference on the word covet uh, says, i.e. be eager and zealous for, mm. right? Um, and I think for... For godly things, maybe coveting isn't the isn't the worst thing. And I'm Absolutely. reminded of I'm reminded of a section in the, in the scriptures where um, it speaks about how it isn't it isn't wrong to desire to serve in a specific capacity in the priesthood, right? And and then it defines what that capacity might look like. Mm -hmm. I think the the assignment was a bishop in particular, but um, but the, that wanting to be able to provide assistance and help and be able to serve in, the, in that capacity isn't wrong. Exactly. Um, but but that, that, that is assigned by God is, I think, the, the key there. Um, let, let me back up just a little bit in that because yeah, I think it. it's great that, that uh, um, verse 4 in chapter 14, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye a prophet that I, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, right? That that, that the church could receive and right. benefited by it. And and I love that um, I love that idea that the whole point that God would give you something to prophesy of would be to benefit other people, right? Mm -hmm. Very rarely well, I don't know that you'd ever call prophecy something for yourself, right? That would be personal revelation that you're receiving for yourself. But prophecy is for the benefit of others. Right. For their, what does it say? Their edification and their exhortation and their comfort. Um, and so within your stewardship, I think, man, there's a lot of opportunities for us to, um, for us to prophesy and to help those around us. I think this is just a... a another definition of ministering. Yeah. That this is something you can do for your ministering brothers, your ministering sisters, or just a plain friend. Yeah. There have been countless conversations I've had with somebody in this institute that benefited me or benefited somebody else, and yeah. that's exactly what this scripture is talking about. Have that charity and that love for somebody to 
not necessarily receive revelation yeah. for somebody, but receive the direction to help edify yeah. somebody. And the great thing about that is more often than not, the person that I'm having a conversation with, when I need help and comfort, I've had the thoughts that they're already saying, you yeah. know? Or they've already thought the same right. thing I'm saying to them. But the fact that it's another person saying yeah. it to me is a, okay, I'm not crazy, or you're right, hearing it from another person, even though it's the exact same word for word what the Spirit's already told me. Yeah, man, it's just really another like confirmation. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I think, I, I would just share this with you in that. Uh, the, verse 8, If a trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? I think as we, as we receive personal revelation and prophecy, it, it, our capacity to teach it at a level that is understandable like you were just saying, that, mm. to, that, to, that you've had conversations with people that you've already thought that same thing or you've already felt that same way, um, that we can compare and contrast our personal revelations in it kind of becomes kind of a communal prophecy then, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? We, because we can communicate about it. But at the same time, I think we have, some, sometimes we have a, a bigger desire to be smart, right? Yeah. And we want to like expound on something and we... And, and I think we get muddy, and I think that um, that trumpet would be a little less certain, right? You think about what a trumpet would do if it was calling you to battle, right? Yeah. It would be very solid and very certain. But if you're like... Rrr, 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 you can't really <laughs> tell what, no, what a like, what am I call is going on. And then I love just, maybe maybe this is my last point on this on this prophecy concept. Verse 19. It says, Yet in the church... I had rather, I, I, I think I would rather put the word would in there. Mm. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. I think about those missionaries. I was one of them, maybe like you, served in uh, <laughs> Las Vegas in the States, stateside English speaking, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember getting called to a place where I didn't have to learn a language and and I didn't have to uh, go through that learning curve and all those things. And there was a part of me that was like, man, I really wish I had been called to serve somewhere where I could speak 10,000 words in a different tongue, right? Yeah. That desire to expound in a different way, in a, in a new you know, tongue, so to speak. But then I read this, and I remember a, a young missionary companion I had at the time said, Elder Swenson, wouldn't it be great if the Lord let you come on a mission so that you could testify instantly to your fullest capacity? You didn't have to wait to learn a language. You didn't have to. I'm not saying that those that, that speak a different language can't also do that, right. especially with the gift of tongues, right? But this idea that if I could speak five words that are true and faithful and exactly what I want to say, I would rather be able to do that, like Paul, than 10,000 in, in words that are like flowery and hard to understand and, and some making, fluff. Yeah, fluffy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, anyway, I, I think this is a. It's an important concept, especially as parents. As you guys get older, you know, you're, you're going to receive revelation for your kids. That's prophecy for your family, isn't it? Yeah. And to be able to speak clearly to them and, and help them understand without it being just because I said so, because it's really not because you said so, it's because you felt so. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and that, that revelation, if you can help your children understand that it's coming that way, I think it's pretty important. 
I think that's absolutely true there with verse 19. Because in the MTC, I forget who it was, but of course you have the apostles and like General Severny mm-hmm. that come to speak to the missionaries. Yeah. And one of them said, um, <clears throat> everybody that is here that is English speaking, you were called to English speaking because the Lord needs you mm-hmm. to be strong and testifying in English specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Or you already have that ability. Yeah, uh, Yeah, that's really great. You know, as we go into 14 a little farther, it maybe speaks to that, and, and I hadn't made this connection until you just said that. If we get to verse 28, if there be no interpreter, at, let, let's start in 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. So if this language gift comes upon you in the middle of a meeting, it, it shouldn't just be one guy up in front speaking la- a language no one knows, no one else can understand. But if there's an interpreter present that can hear and understand, have them work together. Maybe there's three working together, right? Mm. Um, that concept of keep silence, I think is going to come up as we talk a little further down in this chapter uh, about women in particular. Um, but, but men were being counseled here if you're feeling the, the desire to prophesy or speak in, in tongues, to keep that silent if there's not a second witness to your spiritual revelation that you're receiving at the time. Right. Um, then the next verse, let the prophet speak two or three and let the others judge, right? So I, I think, it, I think that, that check and balance is necessary. Um, and that's probably, I think, largely why husbands and wives work together. They become one. They work hand in hand as they teach and, tra- and raise their children, right? That, that, that duality of, of, um, of prophetic revelation for the family, Absolutely. through conversation and in- information, the revelation comes. And the, and, the, and the parents together then are much more uh, apt to help the children learn and grow in the, in the way the Lord would want them to. Absolutely. Okay, keep moving. There's, there's some stuff in there. I, I want you to, to talk about the uh, women keep silent in Ooh. the churches verse because I, I don't want to. You don't want to? <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love controversy. Good. Yeah, this is one that people kind of throw back in Christians' faith, faces all the time. Um, and I hope that I can explain this in something that kind of makes, makes sense to me. Okay. Um, and it, maybe if I, uh, I'm not speaking in the gift of tongues for this particular okay. section, make okay. sure you correct me, all right? Or you're like, hold on, maybe... <laughs> This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm understanding. Is that what you mean? Um, So uh, as we're talking, uh, Paul is going through this and he's talking about speaking with the gift of prophecy and men and doing all these kinds of things. And then it seems almost like he hits this 180 and he says, let your women keep silence in in the churches. Mm -hmm. Verse 34, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Mm. That, out of context, of course, is very scary. Yeah. Maybe one of the reasons why Christianity is labeled to be very bigoted, yeah. right? right. Um, on top of a variety of other things. But um, as we were talking about this before and going through it, checking the footnotes, especially for verse 35, When it says, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church, the Joseph Smith translation changes speak to rule. Mm -hmm. And that applies for verse 34 as well. So that would be, sorry for interrupting you, that would be um, preside 
we would mm -hmm. we would see it maybe as the same right. kind of thing. Get exactly, or at least that, that's the way that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, is not to let them err. For it is a shame for a woman to preside in the yeah. church because that's that godly calling that's given specifically right. to priesthood holders. Yeah, can I just jump in on that? Go for that, it. That um, <laughs> you know this whole section from maybe 29, 28, verse thirty also talks about men and women sitting and. Um, if, let me read verse 30. If anything be rev revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. We just read about 28. He, keep silence if um, there's no interpreter, right? Mm. That this whole section's about being silent, keeping silent, right? Yeah. That, that our, our meetings ought to be done in, in decorum. There, there ought to be a, a pattern, a process. And I, I think, especially the, the cross-reference that you shared that... that you know, this, the word speak, according to the Joseph Smith translation, tr changes to rule, and like we had talked, would, would also be about um, presiding. Uh, presiding, yeah. But if we go back uh, in the same letter, probably, uh, verse, uh, it's in chapter 11, verse uh, 5, uh, well, let's start in 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. So there's some instruction about how to pray and prophesy. And I mean, it's very evident that women were supposed to pray and prophesy. I mean, of course. He's not saying that they can't speak and that isn't... Don't that be I, spiritual. Yeah, I don't of think that is not. the intent here. But I, but I love the take that you're uh, taking, the, the, the direction you're taking us down because it, it helps us understand really what he's trying to do is say there ought to be some decorum in our meetings. And there is a presiding authority in the meetings, um, and and as hard as that counsel is, and as un understandable maybe, as why men were given the priesthood and women weren't. I mean, the bottom line is we aren't told that. We don't know why yeah. that was the way God did that. Um, we do know that it wasn't man that identified that, that organized that it that way. And I'm looking at the New Testament student manual, the Institute student manual, and you know, there's a number of uh, number of quotes. Uh, that we could pull out here, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you. Um, but President Ballard said, in our Heavenly Father's great priesthood-endowed plan, men have the unique responsibility to minister the priesthood. They are, but they are not the priesthood. Men and women have different but equally valued roles. Just as women cannot conceive, just as a woman cannot conceive a child without a man, so a man cannot fully exercise the power of the priesthood to establish an eternal family without a woman. In the eternal perspective, both the procreative power and the priesthood power are shared by husband and wife. Mm -hmm. You have to have the other in order for eternity to, to be an option for all of you, right? Right. And so I think it could be said equally as much, I think, for men that there are some things you just shouldn't get involved in, right? Because you just don't have that task. Um, and in, in this case, I think that's maybe what's being said here, but I, but I love the direction you're going. Yeah, I think those those two verses in chapter 11, 4 and 5, the difference there is every man prayeth and prophesies having his head covered right. is dishonoring his head, but every woman that's doing it uncovered right. is dishonoring her yeah. head. So there was some decorum, right? There right. Was some discussion. Right, absolutely. Or that, that comparison might be where the head being covered is is in public, maybe, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Having that decorum. And so if a, if a man is doing it in private, right. which of course... He, he can do, but his main purpose of having that priesthood is to lead others, yeah, other exactly. priesthood holders, other members of the church. Yeah. And so if he's not doing it, then that's where the dishonor, dishonor comes from. Yeah. But then maybe going on the other ways is every woman or, or mother or wife, her goal is to lead 
the family right. in, the, in that spirituality in yeah. a sense, right? Maybe not so publicly. Yes, maybe not so publicly. And of course, I think this applies to a lot of the things that are that are taught that this is the main rule, but of course there are times where there's going to be an exception, yeah. of course. Yeah. That doesn't apply, that, that applies here to this principle. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between a principle and a commandment, sure, right? A principle sure. or doctrine is the doctrine and that commandment is, is every time, no matter what, right? Yeah. Every time, no matter what, you yeah. shouldn't kill somebody, right? Right? <laughs> um, you shouldn't murder them, right? Sure. But here in this, in this place, it's a majority of the time or usually yeah. with the occasional exception because it's not saying a man should go and just leave the church and then when he comes home, he's not responsible right. for the spirituality of his, of his, yeah. his kids or yeah, his wife, well right? That's what I'll say. So yeah, I like I like that. I, I think you know, and, and culturally, we we sometimes we try to pin our current modern day understanding of culture onto the ancient times, and mm -hmm. we just can't do that. Um, we live in a time where, gratefully, uh, women have been given all the rights that they should have. Yeah, right. I mean, like probably to some degree, that women are still subjected to man's authorities and on in an ungodly way. But but largely, we have turned the corner there. For, but the whole history of Earth was kind of spun around the other direction. Exactly, and, yeah. Uh, with the exception of maybe early on with, with Adam and Eve and the early family. But but I, I love that um, even within that, those confines that man has put on women, um, God uh, establishes a, an order and a pattern that um, maybe works on earth that would be different in heaven, I don't know, but 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 at least it, it functions in every day, in right. every culture, in every uh, setting. Um, the, the way that the Lord has established it on earth is so that we could always have it uh, in, in any of those settings, um, which is nice. I think it's, it's very nice. But again, I, I'm not sure that this is speaking so much about women, close your mouths, don't speak to church. I, exactly. I don't <laughs> think that's a, hey, shut up, sit down, no. like you shouldn't be doing any yeah. of this, right? Even back then, I just don't feel like that was what was... Absolutely. Even though it, it, it comes off that way, oh, yeah. and of course, when you take it out of context, you're not really focusing on the whole overall letter of what Paul is trying right. to say. Yeah. Then you, you, you hear from the modern-day prophets where they actually say, no, we really need you. And you're right. kind of like, well, which, which is it, which you know? One? Be quiet and sit down or, or, or speak up and bear testimony and help yeah. build, right? And isn't it beautiful then that, that we go back to the prophecy um, and the revelation and understanding as, as we, God's children on earth, become more aware of what is right, mm. what, is, what should be happening as our cultures advance, as... Uh, our understanding of God's plan becomes more and more clear as the revelation continues to come from prophets and apostles. We gain more understanding about how women really should be treated and how yeah. we should be listening to them in our meetings and at the highest levels of the highest councils um, that, that 50 years ago we weren't hearing from our, our brethren, but we are hearing now. And not, not that they were wrong 50 years ago because that hadn't been revealed it was not something that was the maybe they we were ready for I, we don't know why maybe. i think back in the in 1900s 1800s yeah. or whatever yeah. that respect for women and the relationship between sure. husband and wife and as a mother yeah. was already there yeah and then now yeah, as satan's attacking the family even more and more mm. you look at the world that respect towards women is fleeting very quickly. Yeah. So now the prophets are speaking yeah, on it. Yeah, well said. And, and and even within the church where we know that it was maybe not as good, right? where we didn't hear the women, we didn't listen in councils and things like that. Right. I think that, that um, again, we don't know why God waited until now. He doesn't. He rarely says why. Right. right? But, um, but that we get a little bit of counsel now that says, uh, here's how this should be done. In, in, in a better society. This is what we need. In yeah. a more Christ-like way. Um, and we learn and we grow. And uh, 
And all that conversation has said, I think it's important to say that it doesn't take away the pain or the issues that have come in the past from man misunderstanding and, and belittling women and not using uh, women's counsel correctly. Uh, I think it's so important that not only do we hear women, especially in the councils of the church and in our homes, um, but that we, hearing them and validating their counsel, uh, I think is really what God's intention is. Um, it's not just let them speak, and then when they've spoken, then you can move on with whatever you want. Right. Um, but but really hearing them and letting them guide and direct some of the conversation because they know better in some things. Absolutely. Uh, than maybe the those the old priesthood because of their limited perspective without the, the eternal gifts that they've been given, right? And, and what a wonderful time we live in where God is expanding our view, expanding our, um, our, our purview even to work with one another in more of a, a Christ-like way. Right. I think it's really great. Well said. I think taking that perspective uh, and then looking at this present Nelson quote that was included in the manual, um, he said, it was back in the October 2015 conference, a plea to sisters. He says, we need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is not and cannot be complete without women who make sacred covenants and then keep them. Mm -hmm. Women who can speak with the power and authority of God. Mm -hmm. Too often, I feel like we attempt to interpret the scriptures or the world interprets the scriptures or looks at the the differences between men and women as separate. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they need to be looked as something that's one, yeah. right? That same chapter we went back to earlier, Corinthians 11, very high there in yeah. Corinthians 11, 11, right? Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, mm -hmm. neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Why talk about the differences when you can talk about the strengths sure. that when they're added together yeah. is what builds up the Lord's kingdom, that yeah. builds up yourself, your family. Yeah, well said. I, I love that. I, you know, um, I speak of my wife often here. In fact, we've had her on as a guest before, and she really is very intelligent. And um, she is someone that helps me uh, be more whole in the things I am not intelligent in. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I think my task as a married person is to not only, I think we live in a culture where, where we're taught to just accept, learn to deal with, and be okay with uh, the mem members of the opposite sex, right? Where, yeah. where men are these oafish creatures that don't fully think before they speak or act, right? I mean, whatever right. the culture is saying about, about women and men differently. And we're taught that we ought to just be, um, once we learn the, th the thing that they are, we're supposed to just figure out how to be okay with it and, yeah. and just deal with it. And, but I think in a, in a more perfect way, we would understand why um, men maybe don't put so much thought into some things and they just act. They go and, and solve the problem. And, right. And, and, on a, and conversely, maybe men need to think a little bit more like women, right? And, right. And so that idea that we are becoming one, um, you know, that, that we, we leave um, father and mother and we cleave unto each other, we become one. Um, I think that idea is that I obtain the attributes my spouse has and she obtains the attributes I have. And obviously the, the evil things we drop and we don't take from each other. 
hopefully, um, but, but that we really are supposed to be learning from one another right. on a level that is, I understand uh, more fully why my wife wants certain things the way she wants them, and not only do I understand it, I also want to become that way even though I'm not currently that way. Exactly. I think that would be such a big shift in our culture, in our world, in our marriages, in our homes, if we would see our, the differences in each other as valuable to obtain as, for myself and say, I really, un I don't understand it yet. I see that there's value in it and I want to obtain that so I can also understand and become more that way. We would be so much more accepting of each other, I think, if we did that. I think if that principle gets applied to really any short, sort of relationship, yeah. whether that's that's coworkers, that's a friendship, sure. yeah, sure. you're just plain dating, right? Or right. if you're attempting to make some sort of broken relationship work, yeah. right? You're yep. you're you're co-parenting, you're attempting to be civil after a, an unfortunate yeah. breakup, right? Yeah. Typically, those feelings of of anger towards one another is is purely out of of jealousy. Yeah almost majority of times is this person is better at this mm. than me. Yeah. And I think really you have two options at that point mm. after you accept that difference is, okay, that's that person's strength. Mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna allow them to keep that strength and just focus on my strengths to do my own thing. Or I'm gonna recognize that strength and do something about it yeah. and, and grow and from it. And obtain it. Right? it. Obtain right. it yeah. myself. Yeah. I think both of them are very viable options because sometimes you just can't have the strength of somebody else. Right. That's a gift that they've been blessed with and it's yeah. very difficult for you. Yeah. And so it's maybe the right time to focus on it, maybe it's not, but you just have to drop that pride in, in yeah. any way. And that's where just a lot of the conflict in any relationship yeah, comes from. That's well said, Josh, I appreciate that. You know, at, at the end of this chapter, chapter 14, the, the, just the very last verse, which maybe ties all this together, Paul says, let all things be done decently and in order. I mean, <laughs> nice. There it is, right? Exactly. It's, it's whether, we're, whether we're speaking about what ought to happen in church and who ought to speak and how it ought to go down or how we relate to one another or uh, that we prophesy in a, in a way that is understandable and we have a stewardship for that prophecy. I think, you know, that, that verse, let, us, let all things be done decently and in order, just clarifies and ties it up uh, really nicely. Going into 15, can we move forward out of, out of 14? Is that, yeah, that absolutely. Okay there? Uh, just for time's sake, I want to just jump into 15 a little bit. The, the Corinthians, and again, I think this was just a continuation of this letter. Um, the Corinthians uh, were, I think, questioning the validity of the um, resurrection. Yeah. Um, they were struggling with whether Jesus was actually resurrected. Um, Paul is declaring the first part of this chapter... Uh, that I taught you that Christ was actually resurrected. He, he did get resurrected, and that was a thing. And the interesting thing is, is this is the first time somebody had ever been resurrected. Christ was the first to be risen from the grave, right? right. And a lot of these people didn't really learn no. about this. Yeah. Uh, we kind of take it for granted a little bit in the church that resurrection is taught actively throughout the Book of Mormon. Yeah. But it's also, told we're told specifically by Alma or Mormon, one of the yeah. two, that says, hey, we received the fullness of the gospel in the new world before people in Jerusalem did right, yeah. because we were a little bit more righteous. Not it. a prideful thing, yeah, but just to just point that ready. out, right? Yeah. And I think that's that might be that these people are really learning about resurrection for the very first Probably, time. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That, that 15, uh, 5, he was seen by Cephas, then of the 12. After he, he was seen above, 500 brethren at once, right? So he goes on in these four verses 4 through 11 maybe uh, saying... Uh, th there's some proof that we've, we've taught you that he, yeah. he was resurrected. And then in verse 12, 
Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, or your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he has raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So he, he's really teaching very clearly that the resurrection did happen, yeah. that people did see Christ, that you shouldn't be questioning this as a, as a tenant of your faith. And then he gets into some kind of interesting uh, doctrines, I think, in, in chapter 15, things that we in the restoration of the church have been taught really clearly um, and things that uh, really help us understand the eternities moving beyond earth. Um, if we started in 21, uh, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I think those verses we've heard before. But then the next verse, but every man in his order. So speaking of the resurrection, every man will be resurrected in his proper order. Mm. Christ is the first fruits, it says. Afterwards, they that are Christ set his coming. And then he kind of moves on. Because he's speaking to he's speaking to members of the church, right? right. He's, he's talking to people who already believed in Christ. So Christ is going to be the first one resurrected, and he was. And then those of you that believed in uh, in Christ, you'll be resurrected next. And he could have insert section seventy six of the Doctrine and Covenants here, right? <laughs> right. But he didn't because really we, he's talking to faithful members of the church or those that are at least trying to be faithful. Um, then, then verse twenty four. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father when they shall have put down all rule and all authority. Um, then verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, right? So, so all of these resurrected beings, everybody that's come to earth is going to be resurrected and death will be no more, right? But then he goes into this, this idea that he can prove it by pointing to things you do, yeah. right? Like... like um, is that verse 29? Yeah, 20. Let's, go, let's start 28. Will you read 28, 29? Yeah, when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Like, why are you doing this? You, you're sitting here <laughs> baptizing people that are dead. If, the, if there's no resurrection, if there's nothing after this, what's then the point? what's the point of doing this? Right? I, I think it's just so cool, just the way that, and interestingly, I think it beautifully that in the Restoration we understand this verse. I don't know that there are other faiths on earth, maybe I'm wrong, that, that understand this verse in a way that ties the whole human family back to the Savior, right? Right. And, and we do in the church. But I think even, even bigger than that, if we look back at 28, this is an ordered thing, right? That God, the Father, has Christ subjected to him, and then we are subjected to Christ, right? To me, and we talked about this before hit record, this is another record of uh, Paul or a, a prophet writing clearly the order of the Godhead, mm. that there is a father who has a son, and the Holy Ghost is sent in the son's name. Um, I, I love what you taught me about that, about that idea that we can find verses like this and we can find other verses. Will you share that? Yeah. Uh, very commonly, you argue against the Trinity versus the Godhead on your mission sometimes. Right. And just about every time that I've had a conversation with somebody, their explanation for the Trinity makes 
Makes sense. Yeah. I understand with their arguments. Yeah. It's a verse like, it, the Father and I are one. Are, are one, or, or, right, or one, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, duh, yeah, right. Yeah, it makes truth. sense, cool. <laughs> and then, but you can make the same argument where that verse can also apply to the Godhead, sure. that they're one in purpose, sure. right? But every single time that you make an argument for the Godhead and why it's not the Trinity. In a verse like this. In a verse like this, in a verse like Matthew when Jesus is baptized, mm -hmm. in the verse where he talks about Christ and, and God being one, just like the apostles will be one, mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, well, they're not one conjoined person, right? Mm -hmm. They have no explanation for those things. Yeah. It's kind of, it's just interesting to see that it's truth can be established through multiple verses and mm -hmm. the false truths that Satan can trickle into the scriptures every now and then, right? Because he, he takes 90% of a truth and adds 10% of yeah. a lie in order yeah. to confuse some people. Right. And, it, and it really gets them. Sometimes it deceives even the most elect of yeah. people. Yeah, well said. I, I love the way you've, you've, you've laid that out. I think that's very true and I never thought about that until you shared that with me. But, but again, it's, it's this truth that he's pointing to, right? It, whether it's the, the Godhead or why are you baptizing people then, right? Um, I, I think that he's, he's just being very clear. You have to kind of praise the saints in this moment, too. Yeah. That they're, they're doing things even though they don't understand. Yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'll baptize for the dead? Okay, for sure, go for it. Right. right? Yeah. But then also you, you learn from this experience that you do need to understand yeah. eventually. Right. So. Yeah, I love that. You know, and let's let if we back up just to get moving forward, if we back up to 23, every man being resurrected in his own order, if we then move forward in this, we get to verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another of flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. You know, this is, this is Paul teaching a, a people, kind of like we said before, maybe parts and pieces of the fullness of the gospel, helping them understand it. And we, we have no idea what else was said to these people, right? right. We only have the, the letters. But but a reference to the degrees of glory, a reference to a resurrection that happens at different phases in different stages based on, what did he say in, in verse 23? His own order, right? That we would be, we would be resurrected in an order um, that follows suit with what, how we lived our lives and what we, who, who we want to follow in the, in the next life. Um, that I, I think that 48 says, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Brad Wilcox said um, in his, I just think, landmark talk uh, called His Grace is Sufficient, it was a BYU address, he says this phrase, he says, heaven will not be heaven for those who are not heavenly. Mm -hmm. Right, it would not be happy if get you're not. Get me out of here. Get me out of here, right? Yeah. That's that whole story, that kid going to uh, uh, EFY, and uh, they, they rounded up the funds to send him down there, and he's a kid that really was struggling in his life, and, and they get him to EFY, and he calls home the first night, he's like, I I'm get struggling. me, I hate this, this. Is terrible. get me out of there. Yeah. And it's because he, he wasn't in a place in his life where those things that he was learning were things that he wanted. Yeah. And I think that idea that if I'm earthly, and earthy, it says here, that that's what I'll want. That's what I'll. That's what I'll become. Uh, but and not because God doesn't want me to have more, but I'm not a heavenly being, and so I won't be given heavenly things. 
50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show unto you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Right? Like, however that change occurs, we're all going to have a change come upon us. And, uh, and, and whether it's earthy change in the terrestrial, right, the terra uh, form, or a telestial in a less than earthly form, or in the celestial forms. Section 76, I would just invite you all to go back there and, um, and study what, what that might look like. In the, Take in chunks place. of that at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love it. I, I just love how this is a universal truth, and this is just an example of how the Nephites learned a little bit more about the fullness of the gospel mm-hmm. even before Christ came. Uh, because we have, in, in, in the book of Mosiah, uh, there, there's a Benedite teaching this to um, King Noah. Okay. And he teaches about the resurrection, right? And he's gone through and he talks about the importance of Christ. And Mosiah 16, verse 7, he says, And if Christ had not risen from the dead or have broken the bands of death, mm-hmm. that the grave should have no victory, and that death should have no sting, mm-hmm. there could have been no resurrection. But there is a resurrection, therefore the grave have no victory and the sting of death is swallowed up in mm. Christ. Mm. That's one of his main goals. The, 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 the cap of the atonement of Jesus Christ is his resurrection. Yeah. There's no point in suffering if there's no, if there's just no point in suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane if there's no life after this. Yeah. Why suffer for punishments that are going to happen afterwards if right. there's no punishment? If there's no afterwards. Right? But if there's no afterwards <laughs> right. at all, right? Yeah. Like, so that in and of itself, again, it's that logic. Why would Christ suffer for us if there was no afterwards? Why would he be perfect if there was no afterwards? And it's this constant circle, almost this chicken before the egg kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Why would he do this without this, without Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. It doesn't lead to this. There is no logical flaw Mm -hmm. in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just love this. I, and, and Josh, I've loved conversing with you today. Um, I know you've got to get off to a class, and I don't want to keep you much longer. Maybe just one verse in chapter 16. Uh, Paul counsels, stand fast in the faith. Let all things be done with charity in this chapter. He brings charity back into this. Um, and, and maybe I'll just point to verse 13 and let you share some closing thoughts. Um, verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men, be strong. Now, there's a cross-reference on the word quit you, and that means behave like men. So let me reread that. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, behave you like men, and be strong. What would you counsel, with that being maybe the cherry uh, on our discussion here today, what, what would you counsel the young people in your sphere, and how would you... Uh, Give some direction there. In this verse specifically, Paul is referencing to men as godly men. Mm -hmm. Behave like godly men. Of course, because he's not saying uh, act like natural man. That wouldn't make any sense for a prophet to say, right? Um, Recently, the the Boise YSA stake, all of the elders quorum studied D. Todd Christofferson's Let Us Be Men talk. Mm from October General Conference 2006. And the way that we went about it was we, we went through scriptures and, and the talk dividing the traits of natural man 
and a godly man.、Mm. And we saw that the traits of all the natural men led to misery and、mm. woe. And, well, let me rephrase that. A lot of the traits led to instant gratification,、mm. but after that instant moment was over, it was woe and misery.、Yeah. And sometimes the godly men traits was kind of sufferable、yeah. at the beginning,、sure. instant suffering,、yeah. um, putting off desires. And, but later on, there was pure joy,、yeah. actual joy,、yeah. not anything false. And that general aspect. To be a natural man versus a godly man, what's that difference? Is your focus.、Mm-hmm. Your focus on the eternities rather than what's right in front of you.、Mm-hmm. And you see that just about any time that the scriptures talk about focus, it's all on eternity. You're holding to that iron rod, focusing on the tree of life, the love of God, you're not going to go astray. If you're focusing on eternities, then you're going to think, now, okay, right now I'm really tempted to. Do this to break this commandment, and it seems really nice. And maybe you might be thinking, okay, I'll repent later, or it can't really be that bad.、Mm. But then when you think, no, I'm a, I'm a son or a daughter of God. I'm somebody that's been specifically chosen for this time.、Mm. Then that, that temptation kind of flees.、Yeah. You don't really think, you're like, no, I'm better than this.、Yeah. I'm, I, the eternities is a way better option.、Right. Exaltation. Or, or yilding to the, the temptations of the、right. law of chastity right yeah, now. Or this、know. carnal thing I want the, right now. This carnal thing, this natural、yeah. man.、Mm. Obviously, you'd pick exaltation. If you're thinking、right? that way, right? But you just have to think, let us behave like godly men. Yeah. And then, of course, be strong.、Right. Because it's going to be really hard.、Yeah. It's going to be really <laughs> difficult. It's no easy feat, right? And、yeah. Paul understands that. He was, he, he was actively going against and destroying Christ's church. So he、yeah. understands what it's like to be、right. doing the exact opposite of what God wants you to. Yeah, Josh, thank you. That, that's what, so well said and ties that so beautifully together. I might just add, my, I was listening to my wife and my、uh, eldest daughter speak. They were talking to each other about something. And, and this, this beautiful and wonderful line came out of my daughter named Sammy. She said, Even good choices require sacrifice. And I thought, man, that's so cool. And so I wrote it down. And then my wife, the next sentence out of her mouth, says, she said this, Yeah, you're right. Thinking about it, good choices require sacrifices of the natural man,、mm. and bad choices require sacrifices of the heavenly man. And that is so tied into that being men, right? Being, being heavenly men. We need to sacrifice the natural man in order to become heavenly men、um, and not do it the other direction, sacrificing the heavenly man to become more of the natural man. Absolutely. Josh, thank you. I have so appreciated our time together and I just love having you on. Will you come back? Oh, I would love to come back.、Okay. Are you well, kidding me? This is great. I love, I, I love telling people that I'm doing this yeah, because、yeah. I get a little study for it. Good. Occasionally, others are like, shoot, get me on the podcast. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Well, send them my way. I'd love to have some more young people on with us and、uh, we just love having you. Appreciate your insights today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Okay, talk to you soon.